Awesome. Well, I know that there are a lot of families that are traveling right now. So, um, you know, we, I know that even Pastor Eric, he's up visiting um, some family up in Washington. And we just want to, you know, let you guys know that we're keeping you in prayer and hope that you travel to and fro very, very safely. Uh, my name is Will Walker. It's great to see everybody here. I am so happy that you could come to FCC today. Um, we're uh, one of the many churches in Fremont, and we're just so glad that we can um, have you and just spend some time in community. Today is uh, Communion Sunday. So, if you haven't got this, you can raise your hand, and there's also some in the back. Um, the ushers can bring them to you. We want to make sure that you're, you're all squared away. Um, again, my name is Will. Um, I work here. I'm on staff here at FCC. Some of you guys, however, may know me for my, my title, which is the Chili King. Okay? The Chili King. King. So yeah, so in a couple of weeks, we're going to have a cook-off. So we'll have sign-ups out, out there tomorrow online. So you can sign up for either chili or you can sign up for mac and cheese. I may win both, okay? But um, so hey, some of you guys are cute. You guys can come with your stews. You guys can come with your little soups. But I, I'm going to bring some Texas chili. You know what I'm talking about, Gabe. You, you like mine last year. That's right. Also, now today is also a very special day uh, because it's my wife's birthday today. So it's my wife's 21st birthday because I don't want to die. So happy birthday, honey. Um, you know, today we're starting a new series, and for the next six weeks, we're going to be going through the book of Galatians, six chapters, six weeks. Um, we just finished a series called Christ and Culture, and for anyone that has not seen that series, I want to encourage you to go back and watch those things. It'll take two hours out of, you, out of your time. You can take it in bite-sized chunks, but that's some of the best preaching that I've heard in years, uh, and it really, really moved my heart. Um, and so we just finished Christ and culture. And what we looked at was how did Jesus respond to the culture of his day? Okay. And we, and it's basically the model that you and I should follow of how we should be responding to the culture of ours. And I, I think what was awesome was what he, how he rounded out the message last week was he, he talked about, um, how the gospel and the love of God, the good news of who Jesus Christ is should be bigger than any of our differences, uh, any of our divisions. I mean, look at this motley crew. And this is, you know, the gospel is what makes it possible for people from all different walks of life to become family. And so uh, I just want to encourage you guys to watch that. Now, it seems that, um, you know, we all understand how salvation works, or pretty much I hope that a lot of us do. But here we're starting this book in Galatians, and we're looking at how we're supposed to live as Christians after we've been saved, because that has been up to much debate. Now, Mark Twain... He used to tell a story about putting a dog and a cat in a cage to see if they can get along. And after a few adjustments, they got along just fine. Then he put a bird, a pig, and um, a goat in there, and they got along spectacularly. Then Twain put a Baptist, a Methodist, and a Presbyterian in that cage, and just a matter of days, there was nothing left. Nowadays, though, you, you don't even have to mix denominations. You can put three Baptists in a cage, and they'll kill each other in a matter of days. You know? I mean... How do we live after we're saved? And now, this isn't a question just for us, but this was also a question in the early church um, that we're going to be looking at right now. Now, remember, these were the first churches when Christianity was new. And there were a lot of problems that, um, the, that the apostles needed to address. And some of these problems are still things that we face today. And they were creeping into this newfound faith. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, um, we just pray for today's service, God, and just pray that it glorifies you, Father. We're so grateful for your word, Father. Um, your word just gives us clarity so that we can get back on track to the true gospel. Father, we're just so grateful that, um, for your goodness and your love for us, Father. Thank you for your word that's been, um, that you have sustained and passed down through all of these years to us here today 
and at Fremont, God. So we uh, praise you and we give you this time in your name that we pray. Amen. Now, Galatians is a book in the New Testament. All right. Now, we call it a book, but it's a letter. It's also called an epistle. It's a fancy schmancy word for letter. Of the 27 books in the New Testament, 21 of them, okay, are, um, are letters. Um, and these are written to uh, communities of Jesus followers throughout the Roman world. Uh, the letters were written by the apostles, and those are the people that Jesus, uh, these are the ones that he chose to spread the good news about his kingdom. Um, and they wrote to Jesus followers following different cities around the uh, Roman world. Now, the purpose for each letter was different. Um, there were different issues in the church, and they were really meant to give thanks and encourage to answer questions, to give instructions and teachings, or to settle or correct some problem in the congregation. Now, this letter was written to a number of churches in the region of Galatia and the Roman Empire, what we call modern-day Turkey. Um, and this is one of the areas that Paul had traveled in the book of Acts. Uh, you can read about this in the book of Acts. Um, and this was really personal to Paul. Um, Paul actually planted these churches. So these weren't some disembodied names that, that he didn't know. These were people that he knew, that he preached the gospel to, and were central uh, to the churches that were in this area. Now, writing letters today is a lot different than it was back then. In our digital age, all you need is a Wi-Fi connection, a little bit of time, and you can send a letter to anyone in the world for free. Back then, though, it, was, it took a lot of money and effort um, in, in, in those days in the ancient world. And so each one of these letters was painstakingly handwritten and crafted very carefully from beginning to end. Okay, it came in this big long scroll. And then it would be given to a trusted teammate who would make the arduous journey to make sure it got to where it's at. And it could take days or weeks. Um, then they were even taught how to deliver the message. Since most people didn't read uh, in this time, so they would read these letters out loud to the people that they were written. And Paul mentions in more than one of his letters that all of his letters, they're meant to be heard. So when I was preparing this, um, Pastor Eric advised me to read and listen to these letters um, before I started anything from beginning to end because that's how they were intended. That's how we can appreciate how each part um, contributes to the whole. So we can't do that with our time today, but I want to encourage you this week to sit down and read the entire letter from beginning to end. Now, unlike the Gospels, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which are narratives or stories, this is a didactic letter or a teaching letter. And it was written to a specific group for a specific purpose. And that means that sometimes we have to do a little bit more work to understand the context. But jumping right into chapter 1, it seems like we're in the middle of this crazy story unfolding in some first century church. Now, apparently, people are deserting the very Gospel, which means good news, uh, and this is something that they had once embraced, but Paul now, um, as soon as he hears this, he's ready to fight. So the chapter here mostly uh, is setting the stage for this fight against these false teachers. So that's the big idea. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to dive into Galatians chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse 1. It says, This letter is from Paul, an apostle. I was not appointed by any group of people or any human authority, but by Jesus Christ himself and by God the Father, who raised Jesus from the dead. So Paul begins his letter with this very strong statement, reminding them exactly who he is and who they're dealing with, right? I'm a capital A apostle, baby. That's who you're dealing with. Um, and he's reminding them that um, he is an apostle. He's one who's sent. Now, all of us are called by the Holy Spirit, and those of us in ministry, um, our call and ultimate authority is Jesus. But we're commissioned by men. 
by pastors or other ministers or by a congregation or by elders. Okay, but here Paul is claiming more than that. He is reminding them that his appointment wasn't from the apostles or any other human agency, but directly from the risen Lord King Jesus himself. And he's not alone in his concerns. He follows by in verse 2, he says, All the brothers and sisters here join me in sending this letter to the churches of Galatia. And he continues, May God the, Father and our, uh, God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Jesus gave his life for our sins, just as God our Father planned, in order to rescue us from this evil world in which we live. All glory to God forever and ever. Amen. This is the gospel, that it was only through God's grace that we have peace with God, that it was God who sent his son on a rescue mission. Now, do you rescue people who can do it for themselves? Or do you rescue people who found a way out? No, you rescue people who can't save themselves. You rescue those who are lost. That's you and me, by the way. Now, Jesus gave his life for our sins, and it was nothing that we did or earned. God did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. The Son of, man, uh, the Son of God became a man and poured his life out so that we could become sons of God. Lever to despise it, this is grace. This is the beating heart of the Bible. God is a gracious God, and he gives the kingdom of, his, and he gives the kingdom of heaven. He gives it to the undeserving, and he gives it at the cost of his son's blood. Salvation comes only by grace. He continues in verse 6. He says, I am shocked, amazed, wow, can't believe it, dude, that you are turning away so soon from God who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You are following a different way that pretends to be the good news, but it's not good news at all. You are being fooled by those deliberately who twist the truth concerning Christ. Now, in the book of Galatians, um, the Apostle Paul addresses one of the most controversial subjects of the Christian faith. Well, while most of us agree that salvation is the divine work of grace, numerous fights have plagued the Christian community about how to live once we're saved. Now, during this time, there were as many Jewish believers as there were non-Jewish believers. And the specific issue here described in Galatians is the false teaching that the gospel that Paul had taught wasn't enough. Okay, it was incomplete. Yes, Jesus died for your sins, okay, but that wasn't enough because if you wanted to uh, be saved by the Jewish Messiah, then you had to become Jewish, okay? You had to observe the uh, Jewish laws passed down from Moses about such things as circumcision. I'm sure we'd have a line out the door for that one. Diet, food sacrifice to idols, and observing Jewish holy days or festivals. And we need to be careful not to dismiss this as something that applied then, as just a controversy between the Judaizers and the Gentiles, okay? Uh, the issue of requiring any law as part of the Christian faith, whether it's from the Old Testament or from the 21st century, is contrary to the genuine Christian faith. We cannot look outside of Scripture for information to complement or, or, or to change that truth. We can't look backwards into the Old Testament to find extra obligations to add to that truth. Now, the Gnostics, they were another sect of believers. They were looking outside of the Bible, and the Judaizers were looking inside the Bible, in the Old Testament, but it's all the same. Trying to add or change something that is so simple, yet so profound. And this is the central message that, that Paul is bringing here in this first, the first chapter of his letter, is that there is only one gospel. To add anything to it makes it a non-gospel or an anti-gospel. It changes the message of grace, which is good news, to something else. 
What Jesus did, it says that what Jesus did isn't enough, that you need Jesus plus X, Y, and Z. Paul highlights, underscores, all caps this by saying this in the next verses eight and nine. He says, let God's curse fall on anyone, including us or even an angel from heaven who preaches a different kind of good news than the one that we preach to you. I say again what we have said before. If anyone preaches any other good news than the one you welcomed, let that person be cursed. Paul expresses his frustration, his anger, and his concern about this situation that he even repeats himself twice. And in all of the epistles um, that Paul wrote, he wrote 13 of them. This is the only time that I can find where he repeats himself in two verses back to back. The gospel of grace is so important that Paul says that if anyone, even an angel, even himself tries to change it, that they should be cursed, damned, anathema. Now, those are strong words. But I think that if we're not careful, if we fully don't understand the gospel, the same um, can be said of us. In his commentary, Galatians for you, Pastor Tim Keller explains why the message of Galatians is so important. He says, because it brings us face to face with the gospel. It's very common in Christian circles to assume that the gospel is something mainly for non-Christians. We see it as a set of basic ABC doctrines that are the way in which someone enters the kingdom of God. And we often assume that once we're converted, we don't need to hear or study uh, or understand the gospel, that we need more advanced material. But in this short letter, Paul outlines that bombshell truth that the gospel is the A to Z of the Christian life. It's not only the way that we enter the kingdom, it's the way that we live as part of the kingdom. It's the way that Christ transforms people, churches, and communities. The gospel isn't something that we just, just need once. It's something that we really need to get into us. We have to drive it home. Okay, and we need to remind ourselves the truth of the gospel every day because it's the opposite of the world we live in. You know, the values of the world are performance-based. What kind of grades you make or, you know, how well you perform in school or work or how much money do you make? How many toys do you have? And the list goes on and on. Guys, we're here today because it's Sunday but we're out in the world every single day. And you know, our motivations are really balanced on a knife's edge. Too much this way, you know, it becomes something else. Too much this way, it becomes the other way. So we really need to get this into us. You know, um, I know that when uh, I look at myself sometimes and I start thinking about my past um, and some of the things that I've done in my past, like I, I just feel completely convicted and I feel myself trying to make up for it. I feel myself just trying to go, 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 do, 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 and that's not the gospel. That's restitution, and that's something that Jesus has already taken care of. It's so important, God, that we understand exactly how the gospel operates because if we let the idea of performance get into the way that we see God, or more importantly, if we let performance get in the way that God sees us, it can change everything. Whoops. So any other gospel besides the gospel of grace is impossible to save, and that's what the danger was. Paul says in another letter in Romans 3.28, and 3.28, just in case you're not sure, he says, for we maintain that man is justified by faith apart from works of the law, that we're not saved by works of the law. Now, do we do works of the law? Sure, sure we do. We try not to lie. We try not to steal. But it isn't our attempt to do these things that saves us. So we cannot add to the gospel. We cannot add things like water baptism. Should you be baptized? Yes, but that's not what saves you, 
Okay, we cannot add speaking in tongues. We cannot add the sinner's prayer. We cannot add denominational membership. You know, anytime anyone uh, or the enemy seems to try to persecute the church from the outside, okay, to go for the church from the outside, it just seems to make it stronger and spread farther. But once we let this stuff get into the church, once we let it inside, if we change the gospel of grace to anything else, it can destroy individuals, groups, and entire communities of faith. And let me get personal. Like, if you let this get into you, okay, it can change everything. Paul uses incredibly strong language, saying that when you move away from grace, you create a different gospel than what Jesus offers. It changes the only gospel that saves, the gospel of grace, into a gospel that cannot save. And once you add on to the gospel, you change the good news of that into legalism. Legalism says that God will love us if we change. The gospel says God will change us because he loves us. See, the issue threatening the church wasn't just salvation, but Christian living. In his book, uh, Grace Awakening, Charles Swindle states, if I had to name the greatest enemies of Christianity, I would list legalism first. And this isn't something that was just a problem in the early church. It's continued throughout the centuries, and it's still with us here today. You know, growing up in church, I had heard of Jesus, obviously, and I knew of this thing called the Ten Commandments, okay? But there are always these sayings that kind of floated around the hallways and classrooms, things that you wouldn't see in Bible, uh, in, the, in Scripture. You ever heard this? I don't drink, smoke, or chew, or go out with girls that do, you know? Um, see, I think that we like to sing about amazing grace that saves us. But sometimes once we're saved, we like to sing, follow the rules and act like me. The message of Galatians is difficult for many to accept because it cuts against the grain of what a lot of us have embraced all of our lives without ever questioning the truth of Christian behavior. I think a lot of us have these preconceived notions about what a real Christian looks like. So we want to fit into that mold. And sometimes we try to make others fit into that mold, right? I mean, if it walks like a duck, talks like a duck, quacks like a duck, it's duck, right? Like... So let's see what that would kind of look like, though, um, in, in today's world, okay? Let's say you have a friend, Buddy, and Buddy comes to you and says that he's trying to read his Bible more um, be and become a better person so that God would forgive his sins. You tell Buddy the good news that Jesus died to save sinners. You share the incredible truth that we are saved by grace through faith, and Buddy gets saved. Then you tell Buddy the bad news. The good news is that we're saved by grace. But once you're saved, it's time to get busy working in the kingdom of God. First, you've got to go to church on Sunday and tell the preacher so he can baptize you. And after you've been baptized, you join the church and you must start attending all the services. And there's Sunday school worship, discipleship training, Sunday night worship, Wednesday night services, Monday night outreach. And if you can sing, you need to join the choir and use your gift. Because if you don't use your gift, you're going to lose your gift. After making a habit of attending and working at the church, you must develop a discipline of personal devotion, or what mature believers call private time. Okay? You have to read the Bible every day, three chapters from the Old Testament, two from the New. That way you can read the Bible in a year. In addition to, to reading, uh, Bible reading, you should start praying for 30 minutes every day. Early morning is best because you need to start off your, your day with a fresh cup of God. Okay, now that you're saved, buddy, you must be a soul winner because this is the Great Commission, and you should average at least one soul saved per month. And I almost forgot the most important thing. Here are your tithing envelopes because you must give 10% of your income to the church. Buddy is now experiencing a grace hemorrhage, okay? But some of us may not notice it because we've been attempting to do it our entire Christian life, and we've never been able to live up to it. We just won't admit it, okay? Now, 
After sharing the personal growth disciplines, you move on to the next item of business, okay, for acceptable behavior for a good Christian church member, okay? These only consist of the no's, no alcohol, or eating where they serve alcohol, no dancing, footloose, uh, no sports on Sundays, uh, no tobacco or gambling, unless you're a Dallas Baptist, because they even believe that God loves the Cowboys. No R-rated movies, unless you wait for them to come out on Netflix or you rent them at home. No rap or, or rock music. No two-piece bathing suits at the beach, which isn't a problem for Buddy, okay, but it, no self-respecting Christian woman would, would dare wear such a thing. No expensive jewelry or cars. No, and no voting for anyone other than the candidate endorsed by Christian conservatives. And here's some that, that may hit closer to home. What is it proper to wear on Sunday? What kind of music do you prefer? No laughter, no clapping, and that list can go on and on. And now listen, it may make you feel better to say, you know, well, well, that's just how I feel, or, or that's how I was raised. But the truth is, is that your list is nothing but legalism, okay? Guys, a lot of people play the part instead of walking in grace. You know, Steve Farrar, the, a former pastor and best-selling author from uh, his book, Point Man, shares how his view of Halloween clashed with the legalistic views of the members of his church. And, and I think this is appropriate. Uh, this is why I included it with Halloween uh, right at the end of the month. He says, because of the pagan origin of Halloween, several families did not let their children raid the neighborhood for candy. And they certainly would not give any candy to children, which would mean supporting paganism. My reply was that, yes, Halloween did have pagan origins, but in my family, we're not thinking anything pagan. We're just thinking about how much candy we can accumulate in about two hours. We have the mentality of chipmunks, gathering acorns before the winter. We want to get as many Hershey bars as possible um, before the long, cold winter ahead. Our goal is to plunder the neighborhood the way the children of Israel plundered the Egyptians before they headed out for the Promised Land. My kids have Christian teachers who told them Halloween is the devil's day, and I did not appreciate the legalism. According to 1 Corinthians 8, some Christians ate meat sacrificed to idols while others did not. Now, that's not a big deal in our culture, but it was in theirs. Some Christians get steamed over Halloween. Others plunder the neighborhood in the name of Jesus. All right. Um, so think about that when uh, Halloween is coming up, all right? Now listen, um, knowing the way we are saved by grace creates uh, a, a beautiful paradox because we don't have to serve, yet we're motivated to serve. And this is a difficult concept to embrace because often the person living um, by grace is doing the same things as the one living by legalism, but their motivation is different. This is described in the Old Testament when God rebuked Israel by saying he was sick of their blood sacrifices, that even though they offered the sacrifices according to the rules passed down by Moses, God rejected their sacrifice because their hearts were hard. You know, the Bible says that God accepts the sacrifices of, of a broken spirit and a contrite heart. Our goal or motivation must never to, be, to gain something from God, but to glorify Christ that empowers us to serve. Now, the Bible says that the gospel, oh, I'm sorry, uh, to understand the paradox of serving by grace, we need to consider three important questions. Are there Christian disciplines and commands that define our faith? Yes. Just a casual reading of the New Testament reveals numerous commands and disciplines that define our, define our journey as, of faith as a Christ follower. Now, do you have to keep the commands in order to remain in good standing with God? No. We are saved by grace and we maintain our relationship with God by grace. Should we keep the commandments? Now, please note this is the wrong question. Asking if we should keep the commands and attempting to follow Christ is like asking, do I have to kiss my wife or hug my kids? 
okay? I mean, think about your relationship with your spouse and, or your children. Do you know all the laws about marriage and parenting? Did you study or did you keep up with all the laws against child abuse? Do you know what are the legal requirements for proper nutrition or the punishment for failing to care for your child in an appropriate manner? My kids are not in here, right? Okay, awesome. I mean, how can you possibly raise a child without knowing all the laws? Because of love. So the right question to ask when considering any Christian discipline is, do I love Jesus? Do I love Christ? Or am I obeying this command as an expression of love? Jesus said that if you love me, you'll keep my commands. In John 15, Jesus uses the analogy of a, of a, of a friend and a slave. Friends do the right things for each other out of love. Slaves do the right things out of obligation. Well, Jesus said that we are his friends. Therefore, we ought to keep his commands. Now, as I bring this message to a close, I want you to consider the following questions. When you teach, is it because you like being in charge of a class or because you love Jesus? When you sing, is it, do you sing because you enjoy the applause or because you love Jesus? When you give, is it because that you're afraid that God will shut the windows of heaven if you don't tithe? Or is it because you love Jesus? When you witness, is it out of obligation or because you love Jesus? Are you living by grace and the power of Christ or are you living by legalism? Have you deserted the grace of God? That, in a nutshell, is, is the major point that I wanted to focus on today in, uh, in chapter 1 of Galatians. But the very last verse in the book of Galatians left me thinking. In verse 24, Paul says that the churches he visited glorified God because of him. The story of how Paul went from persecutor to an apostle, this story, it pointed people to God. This reminds me that our stories, specifically the stories of what God has done in our lives, they're one of the greatest gifts that we have to give to the world. Our stories point to the hope found in Jesus, and I'm left wondering if I share enough. How about you? Guys, we're a missional church, and this world needs your story, but it does not need more ways um, for you or to put on others of how to earn God's love. The one thing the people out there need is the one true gospel, and that's the gospel of grace. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we're just so grateful for your mercy. We're so grateful for your grace. We're so grateful um, for your word that you've preserved for us and handed down through the centuries, Father God. Um, Lord, I just want to, uh, I repent for myself when the times when I make um, the freedom that I have in you a legalistic journey. I'm very, very task-driven, and I like to get things done, Father God. But whether I do them or not, you still love me. So, Father, we just thank you. Uh, thank you for your love and your mercy. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you for your spirit that lives in us. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.